Welcome to this edition of Turak Chat, and we have a very special edition today. I am Christy Kendall, Principal of Turak College. And I am Mia Tukalos, a Year 11 Media student. And today we are joined by the Attorney General and Minister for Workplace Safety, Jill Hennessy. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to join the podcast. We are absolutely, in fact, we're not welcoming you. You're really welcoming us That's to your right. office, That's right. That's right. For your listeners, we're sitting in the Department of Justice, and it's got a pretty spectacular view over the Parliament of Victoria and um, Melbourne CBD. It's fantastic and I think we were we were thrilled by the enormity of this opportunity as we walked into reception and saw a wall filled with photos of past Attorney Generals. Jill, tell us, maybe describe, what does that wall look like? It's a pretty male-dominated wall. Mm. I'm only the second ever female Attorney General in Victoria. Um, I'm the first ever Labor Attorney General in Victoria. But it is pretty compelling to look at a sea of men on the wall uh, and to understand these times they are a changing we've got women now in traditional roles that men once occupied uh, and whilst we're really growing the number of women in politics we still need to get women into those roles that men have traditionally dominated and they're you know the economic roles the legal roles the transport roles the police roles all of those kind of areas uh, where we've got to not just get women into parliament but we've got to get them in charge of important decisions and that's about resources and what the laws are. Why, why do you think there's a hesitance for, for women to get involved? Or do you think there are other barriers that maybe we can't see? Look, I think many people are socialised into thinking that a leader is um, an older person, usually male and usually white-skinned. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas the reality of our community, um, both in terms of gender and a whole range of other demographics, whether that's cultural background. Uh, so our conception of what a leader looks like, I think, needs to continue to be challenged uh, and having more women in politics helps do that. I think also women suffer sometimes from what I call the imposter syndrome. Yes, we talk about that a lot on this podcast. Uh Uh Well, it's all backed up by um, enormous amounts of research and Harvard Business School has got kind of whole courses dedicated to the imposter syndrome that often makes women sometimes feel that they don't necessarily belong around decision-making tables, um, that they're not necessarily capable of stepping up for leadership positions and roles. So actually giving women the confidence and reminding them um, that they do in fact have the capability, that they do in fact have the interpersonal skills to take up leadership positions. So I think that's the other thing. Obviously, women are the ones that have babies. uh, And Mm. so managing big roles with family responsibilities, I think is another really significant barrier. And so we've got to make sure that we get modern politics um, organised to better reflect that. And that can be things as simple as not having sittings of parliament during school holidays, um, putting things like change tables in the male bathrooms as well as the female bathrooms to encourage men also to step up and take some parenting responsibilities. The other thing I'd say is politics can be pretty brutal. Some women I know who would be fantastic in politics say, look, I'd love to have the opportunity to influence public policy, but I'm really not up for going into an environment which is hyper-aggressive, which can be pretty brutal. And we live in a world now that's, you know, you've got a 24-hour media cycle with Twitter. Media organisations are under enormous pressure to continue to fill that 24-hour news cycle. And that means that politics has become really visual. And I think that many women um, feel incredibly self-conscious around putting themselves out in public and then having to endure Mm. people making comments about not 
how good they are at their job, but what their hair looks like, what colour lipstick they're wearing, you know, do they look acceptable? All of those things are pretty tall orders to ask someone to take on. And, And I think removing those barriers will certainly assist. But you can't be what you can't see, as the saying goes. And until we start to present alternative visions of what a leader looks like, that young women can then connect with so they understand, oh, that's me, or I could do that. Mm, And it would be completely normal and no one would comment on it. (laughs) But we've still got a ways to go. Mm. Um, Have you had personal experience with people talking to you about what you can and can't wear in politics? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I I get lots of um, emails about everything from my hair to my hips to my the colour of my lipstick, you know, most of the time you can endure all of that. Um, Sometimes it's nice. Sometimes um, I think there's kind of a secret sisterhood of women with curly hair. Uh, So often people will ask questions about what product are you using? It's really hard to tame, you know, curly hair. Uh, So sometimes it can actually be a very humanising experience. But there are days where you think, well, men are just never subjected to this extra scrutiny Mm, and, and, you know, no one writes um, abusive emails to men um, about, you know, what their hair looks like. Or the shade how of they grey of the suit Precisely, precisely. Um, and so, you know, sometimes it is an additional burden for women to, to endure. I, I do think that there is a good connection between most women who will really back each other in and I think that we've all got an obligation to try and point out sexism or when women are being given a raw deal whether that's in politics or other Mm. places uh, to try and say look if, if people start to really give you a hard time about that we've got your back. How did you break into politics and how long was it before you were able to make these incredible changes that you have been making? Look it It took a while and I had a couple of unsuccessful goes and I think that's the other important message. Sometimes people think that, you know, um, what decisions you make about what subjects you do in year 11 and year 12 or what university or vocational education course you're going to do is going to determine the rest of your life and I probably had that um, view as well but my life experience is very different to that. So I got very interested in politics when I was younger and um, got politically involved and then I went off and I went to law school and I got, um, again, very involved with university politics. Um, I think one of the other things that women sometimes are more hesitant about articulating their ambition. Um, Again, part of that imposter syndrome, saying something like, well, I'd love to be a politician. Um, You know, women get concerned that they're going to be experienced as being arrogant or articulating an ambition that they don't know if is ever going to be fulfilled and don't want to be humiliated if they don't reach it. And so we sometimes talk ourselves down a little bit. But I got politically involved and I put my hand up to um, be pre-selected to run for parliament a couple of times and was unsuccessful. And they're pretty brutal experiences. Um, I had fulfilling experiences in the different employment jobs and decisions. And I've worked as a lawyer and I worked for former Premier Steve Brax as a senior advisor. And then I went off and had um, some babies and did some (laughs) other things, went back and did a master's in public and international law and really didn't think that I'd put my hand up for politics again. And then life has a way of, um, you know, changing the journey very quickly and in an unexpected way. And um, a politician I knew well kind of resigned before a general election and I was encouraged to put my hand up to run. And at that point in time, I thought I probably wouldn't go 
go into politics that I'd had a go and I had been unsuccessful. So I got elected and then I was in opposition for four years and then I was part of a team that was elected to government and became the health minister for four years. Uh, And then nine months ago, I became the Attorney General after our government was re-elected last November. So, you know, these are all things that if you had said to me when I was at law school um, that you might become the Attorney General, I simply wouldn't have believed it. I would have thought, that's just never going to happen. That doesn't happen to people like me, even though I probably secretly did have those ambitions. Mm. And if I ever had a message for my younger self, it would have been to be more confident about talking about the things that you'd really like to do rather than kind of having them as secret dreams and never sharing your ambitions with anyone. And I think the other message that's really important is it's okay to try and fail. It doesn't mean you are a failure as a human being. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't be spectacular at um, that job or that opportunity. Uh, But sometimes it can take a while and you're just going to take a different journey to get there. We're interested so much in sharing these stories because as you said, you can't be what you can't see. Exactly. I think we say a lot, especially in our junior school. Um, but we're also interested in the skills as well. Yes. What, what are the mantras in your head? What, what are the things that you tell yourself as zany and crazy or, yes. or successful yes. or not that, you know, yes. we might be able to impart? Well, um, the Buddhists, I think, got it right when they encourage people to say, this too will pass. <laughs> so whether it is your worst day or um, something that you make a mistake on or something that you feel really embarrassed about, it's going to end. Life moves on. I also think um, one of the other things I often say to myself is that you're, you're dead a long time and that your life is now um, and don't die wondering. So you might as well uh, have a go as well. And I, I think the other thing is really it's better to try and fail than to not try at all and um, we have an entitlement to try and influence what our community, what our society, what our globe looks like and feels like Um, and what I as an individual and you as an individual have to contribute or think about that is valid and it's equally as valid as the, what, what a powerful and assertive person thinks. Um, so I think it's really important to make sure that we build women's sense of confidence. I also reckon that it's not just about extroverts and type A personalities. Mm. And one of the things is I rely on many, many smart people to help do my job well. Being able to identify um, intelligent people, this, a person is only as smart as the people they work with. Working with good teams, surrounding Surrounding yourself with smart, decent, ethical, hardworking people, um, I think is as important as your own values and your own ethics and your own work ethic uh, and making sure um, that you you understand that you don't really do anything by yourself. You really are a product of the team that you work with. You make some enormous decisions, decisions that have huge impact. Yes, How do you sleep at night with the decisions you make? Oh, wow. Um, well, I do. I am a bit of an insomnia, so I, um, <laughs> I, I I listen to a lot of podcasts. Is my personal coping mechanism when right. I'm Put tossing this one on the rotation. <laughs> exactly when I'm, when I'm tossing and turning at three o'clock in the morning. I think one of the most valuable things you can do is to try and get as much life experience as you can and build what I call instinct and your gut instinct. And my experience has been when I've made decisions 
where I haven't trusted my instinct or I've overridden that little voice inside my head, um, they've usually ended up being wrong or bad decisions. Mm. So trusting my instinct is something that I have learnt is important and I've learnt that the hard way. There's Uh, actually a lot of... um Research that talks about the fact that females have a very physical response with instinct. Yes. And that the biological process of instinct is different between males and females. Yes. So females should be encouraged to be to... instinctive. Mm. And, and, and also um, judgment is, you know, you can have the best academic or technical qualifications in the world, but if you don't have judgment and instinct, you know, then, then you're usually not going to make really good decisions. You're not going to use all of those skills and abilities. Um, but certainly, you know, I get the great opportunity to try and reform and change laws, um, but you also get exposed to lots of incredibly heartbreaking human experiences. Mm. And it's a really hard balance between making sure that you maintain empathy, but at the same time trying to keep yourself resilient enough that it isn't going to crush you. And being self aware enough to know when you're veering into either of those two spaces too much. I personally struggle with that all the time. Mm. And I think having good people that you can talk to about it. So many of my other colleagues that also have really tough jobs that involve a lot of human experience and great tragedies. An example might be um, the very tragic death um, in the early hours of this morning, my phone goes off and to receive the horrible news about the death of a 22-year-old young jockey um, at Cranbourne that had fallen off a horse and has very tragically died. Wow. And so you've got to think about that as a human being and what that means to um, that woman's family. But I've also got to think about what does that mean from the perspective of safety? What does that mean around the support that that family's provided? Will there be any systemic issues that might have led to that? death. So you've got to be able to think about things from a couple of dimensions. But I always always think that if you don't fundamentally connect with the human experience, um, then you're never going to make good systemic um, decisions about the broader conditions that might have produced that human experience. But there are days when that's really, really tough. So things like having good people to debrief with, having a black sense of humour sometimes <laughs> helps, um, making sure that you divert yourself. I mean, I watch far too much Netflix late at night um, about things that have got nothing to do with work to try and find another part of my brain to mm-hmm. enliven. There are lots of things that I should do. I should exercise more. I should do eat better. I should, um, you know, I've got a meditation app that I feel really stressed about because I never meditate because I don't have the time. And when am I going to get to it? Uh, so all of all of those things, you can get really stressed about your failure to manage your own stress. But in politics and in modern politics, you know that your opportunity is finite and that you won't have forever. So I do two things. I remind myself that I will have a limited amount of time to try and achieve change. And I also imagine a different future as well. I think about when I will be, you know, gardening or walking through, you know, the countryside in France in the future. Or, you know, sometimes I dream about working in a bookshop or running a cooking, you know, podcast or something like that. So I think sometimes reimagining the alternative and that can then help bring you back to the present and saying, okay, 
get on with it, get over it and do your job. So I understand that there were these kind of personal reasons and difficulties behind introducing the assisted dying laws because unfortunately your mother sadly passed away just a couple of weeks before the bill got passed. Indeed. How did this tragic circumstance compel you to get this bill over the line? Well, it's really, really important, I think, to let people bring their personal selves to work. And I suppose I made the decision to, rather than hide that and pretend I was just getting on with it, like I was some robot who wasn't also enduring great grief, to kind of help make that part of the justification for the reform and to help be open and honest about why that was that that had really driven my belief in changing the law to enable assisted dying which is something that my mum believed in and would have helped my mum but it also means you've got to be prepared to show emotion in public and all of those things that we sometimes don't associate with political leaders and I think that if you're not authentic in the way in which you're arguing the case for significant reform or contested reform, things that might be controversial, and that was very controversial at the time, then you're never going to be able to connect with people as to the reasons why you want to affect that change. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it meant you know, kind of being open and honest about that. And during that reform, whilst we were preparing to try and get it through the upper house, we'd successfully got it through the upper house. My father then got diagnosed with um, an incurable cancer as well. So I had it at both ends and he died about 12 weeks after he was diagnosed as well. So it's this time, and I think that life is full of paradoxes, but it was a time where I kind of carried lots of personal grief I had enormous political responsibility Mm. um, and you know lost my both of my parents one at the start and one at the end of the process but I also had people that sat in the gallery at Parliament House while we were arguing for the change in the law that were dying of brain cancer and that were relying upon us bringing that experience as painful as it might be and as embarrassing as it might be to show vulnerability and Mm. to show the pain that you're carrying while you're doing it actually helped us be successful and personally motivated me to get out of bed and get out of my pajamas with my puffy eyes and my sad heart and keep going because that is the hardest thing to do often in life to keep going when you do just want to stay in bed in your pajamas and endure your grief in privacy that's not a luxury that was afforded to me but with the hindsight with the benefit of hindsight and reflection now I think that I probably could not have kept going and, and unless I had that motivation because it was a pretty heady debate and it was pretty heady times mm. one of the things I'm always interested in I think Mia and I will absolutely we would love to think like you yes and that, you know, <laughs> oh we would love to have that strength we'd love to have that perspective can you learn that Or do you think it's instilled at a young age? I think probably a bit of both. You know, I think nature and nurture um, exist. My own personal reflection is the problem about getting opportunities is you need the opportunity to get good at something. You need the the Mm. first opportunity to start to build your confidence. And so once you get your confidence up a bit and you can withstand a few step backs, you then get more confident. You start to trust your judgment. You start to understand that, well, it's worth taking some risks. And I think we've got to build greater capability um, amongst women and particularly young women about taking good measured risk. 
building the resilience to be able to understand that the modern social media platforms are, 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 are modern newspapers that will ultimately become fish and chip wrappers. Yes, there'll be a record, which is why you should always be sensible, girls, because people do look into those things. But but they are a reality and they're not going away. And so I think trying to teach people greater confidence and resilience, but it's through failure and setback that you actually do that. And so trying to get people to embrace failure as a genuine teacher, not just for your technical skills, but something that's going to make you stronger and something that's going to drive your capability to take a risk next time trying to kind of constantly remind yourself what's the worst thing that happens to me construct an argument as to all the awful things that will happen to you if you take that Mm -hmm, risk but what if you don't you're going to sit with your own negative thoughts for the rest Mm. of your life or you're going to kind of try and seize an opportunity and take some steps um, and congratulate yourself and 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 have have good friends that are cheerleaders for you along the way and you know that people will catch you when you fall and you'll get over it you know if there's a lesson that I've learned it's that life will go on so you also have two beautiful daughters they are very beautiful (laughs) good genetic heritage (laughs) (laughs) so how do you divide your attention between your role which is obviously very intense and so much work goes into that how do you divide your time between the attorney general and family i think anyone that talks about work-life balance is being misleading Mm. i call it work-life collision because it's not neat (laughs) um logistics in our household i say is like um it's like a construction of cart made of cards someone gets sick um, a car breaks down someone misses the bus everything starts to fall apart and it's incredibly stressful. I've learnt how to live with that stress. There are days that it feels impossible. But a couple of things. I've taught my daughters um, about self-care. They know (laughs) that they've got to find the lid to the Tupperware container in the morning because I'm not going to be able to do it. I also find it hard sometimes as a parent to, uh, you know, trust them to make good decisions. So that's an ongoing challenge for me. But I'm also, I'm forced to do that sometimes because I don't have any other choice. So I've got to trust their ability to get on the, you know, train and the bus home as much as I might catastrophize about something think going wrong when I'm at home it's always a great challenge to try and manage being present in my relationship and parenting with my daughters and being on the phone and work Um, but I also believe that we've got to use modern technology so rather than staying back at the office till 11 o'clock at night when I can when I don't have events on or parliament I'll go home I'll have dinner together I'm a big believer in the importance of the dinner table a because I like food b (laughs) uh, because I think it is the place where everyone can bring the highs and lows of the day and having ritual is really important and predictable ritual and because there's a lot of chaos in our life I've worked really hard to secure a number of rituals and a lot of that involves dinner tables um, and eating and talking and laughing and being a little bit irreverent about our day but I also don't put the pressure on myself about being a perfect parent and it also means that I don't put the pressure on my kids about being the perfect kids. 
It's now time to play a game. We're going to put Victorian Attorney General Jill Hennessy to the test against our principal, Christy Kendall. Now we're going to play a bit of a game. Yes. And this is called The Art of Dancing Around Tough Questions. Uh Ah, that never happens in my line of work. (laughs) (laughs) So we all know that politicians have a bit of a knack for skipping over questions and (laughs) stating things they have done rather than addressing what they haven't done. Mm -hmm. So in this game, it's going to Mrs. Kendall versus the attorney and I'm going to ask you a serious question and uh-huh. your aim is to deliver only the key messages yes. and not actually answer the question at all. Gotcha. So Mrs. Kendall you will go first. Oh okay. Gosh. And some of the key messages you need to include so that um, it is better to live on the Mornington Peninsula than mm-hmm. in the city, mm-hmm. that aerobics is the best sport in the world. <laughs> And you also need to somehow include your favourite saying, totally ace. Is that my favourite saying? I do say it a lot, don't I? (laughs) It's very 1980s. (laughs) And so am I. (laughs) Nothing wrong with the 80s. All right. So your question is, why is the tuck shop so expensive? And when will we see a decrease in prices? The tuck shop? Well... I mean, I assume when you talk about the tuck shop, you're assuming I'm going to talk about food. But the tuck shop is worth about so much more than food. It's a really an issue of supply and demand. Of and course. when the demand for aerobics in a school goes up, <laughs> so does the supply of aerobics <laughs> shoes and glitter and sparkle. And then, of course, price can drop. And there is no better place to do aerobics than the Mornington Peninsula. The view, the vista, the lifestyle. (laughs) And for me, it's all about having a life that is totally ace. (laughs) And if we all want that together, I'm sure we will see everything decrease. Wow, that was very good. Anything at all? Was no, that, you did. That was, you. <laughs> okay, thank you. You got your key messages out. Yeah, you should see me teach you twelve psychology. I say nothing all year. <laughs> all right, attorney, it is your turn. Mm-hmm. So, some of the key messages you need to push is that Daniel Andrews is a top bloke that Bulldogs will win the AFL Grand Final mm-hmm. and that Border Collies are the best animal. You've done your research very well now. <laughs> so this is your question. Why do all politicians avoid answering tough questions? This shows us that you are concealing the truth and you don't want to take ownership. Explain in simple terms, please. I'll give you a truth, Mia. You've asked about politicians. Politicians value loyalty. If you want to talk about loyalty, you need to get a dog. If you want a friend in politics, get a dog. Border Collies are the best dogs in the world. You'll find them as highly intelligent. Some people would argue that a bulldog competes with a Border Collie. A bulldog does not compete with a Border Collie when it comes to the dog you own. The only place a bulldog competes is in the context of AFL. And in AFL, you better watch out because the bulldogs are coming to win the AFL grand final this year. And it's going to be as fun as when Daniel Andrews won the November state election last year because he bought it home with one of the biggest electoral victories that we've seen in a long time and that's why Daniel Andrews is a top bloke. We're never going to believe a word you yeah, say okay. again, are we? I'm known for my honesty, I want to tell you. <laughs> that, is, that was amazing. Oh, I, think, I, think, I do think we have to give it to you, Jill, because that was honestly absolutely amazing. Well, um, you'll never find me in like we're doing aerobics. So I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to also give it to your very capable uh, school principal as well. 
Jill, obviously this podcast um, is really centered around the idea of personal growth. Yes. Um, if you had a message for our students, our community, how do you ensure that you are living your best life? Living your best life means actually taking time to reflect upon um, what's happened every day, what's happened each week, what's happened every month, and then comparing that to what you want your life to look like and thinking about how you get there. I think people are often a bit hard on themselves. And um, when we think about living our best lives, we, you know, again, often imagine that as being focusing on what we don't have and trying to reorient our thinking to focus on what we do have. Because we're incredibly lucky. We live in a wonderful country and we live in a safe society with lots of opportunities. And those opportunities are only going to keep growing. So I think gratitude for what you've got now is probably the most important step to try and focus on how it is that you want to grow and don't be too hard on yourself because you know things change in an instant. Thank you so much. Oh my I gosh, guess. so inspiring, absolutely amazing to talk to you today. Thank Your you very words, much. So inspirational. I, I don't even think I can describe mm-hmm. it, how incredible it was to talk to you today. Oh, thank you very much for coming in Mia and best of luck. 